Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You'll be now, Ben Hadad, he repeatedly raided Israel many, many times over. Hey, if anybody attacked your house and stole from you, you'd get pretty mad at them, right? Okay. Ben Hadad did this to Israel. And guys, this is a picture of all of us. We have all in our sinful lives, we have all attacked the Lord. We've all shook our fist at him and came in and raided and tried to take for what we ever wanted for ourselves. Many times over, every last one of us have done this. We are all proven enemies of the Lord God with a long track record of hostility. James 4 verse 4 says, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Enmity means we were all once hostile against the Lord. And just like Ben-Hadad's army, there have been multiple times when we all positioned ourselves to launch attacks against the Lord in some kind of way. But why did we do this? Well, for the same reason why Ben-Hadad tried to attack Elisha. Because as long as Elisha was around, then Ben-Hadad was never successful at raiding and taking whatever he wanted. So get this. Now, lost people don't love God. They love the world, and they always want more of it. They want their way. They want to take what they want. And as long as Jesus is around, they'll never be able to take whatever they want for themselves. And friends, this is why the lost, this is why they hate Jesus so much and and those that preach Jesus to them in repentance, because Jesus won't let them be successful in their sin. This is why these people hate us, because we represent their inability to take what they want to have. And, you know, but thankfully, you know, I think about my former life in this, and thankfully, even while we were staging all of our hateful attacks, God did a great work for us. Romans 5 verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, Jesus didn't say, hey, straighten up your life, and then I'll die for you. No, he died for us first already. He's already done it. And all we have to do is believe on him. I mean, he went ahead and did that. Friend, would you be able to do that for a messed up guy that always stole from you and always hated you to die for a guy like that? Well, Jesus did that for us. Now, Elisha, he could have called fire down on Ben-Hadad's army and rightfully judged them away with wrath, okay, but he didn't. Elisha took an alternative action. Friends, God could have called fire down on you and me, and judged us away with wrath too. But instead, he took an alternative answer by sending Jesus to die for our sin. So Elisha called blindness to strike this army instead of fire. That was a merciful act. He called blindness on them so that he could lead them somewhere else. 
You know, Elisha led them somewhere where they would have never gone on their own, but he had to do it through blindness. He led them. Jesus said in John 6, verse 44, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Thank you, Lord God, that you led us all to Jesus Christ. Even in our blindness, even while we were still sinners, he led us to Jesus Christ. Now, if Ben-Hadad's army had come to the region of Samaria in any other way, to the region of Israel in any other way, they could have been rightfully destroyed because they would have been there to fight. They would have been there for war. And for fire to come down and wipe them out, that would have been completely justified. And so for King Jehoram to wipe them out would have been completely justified. Now, remember, Elisha told the king, you can't kill them because you didn't catch them in battle. They were led here blind. You can't kill them when they were led here like that. Friends, it was in our own blindness that we were led, we were drawn to Jesus Christ. And you know, this is an odd perspective here, but I'm actually thankful for the spiritual blindness of lost people. Yes, it's frustrating to watch lost people make crazy decisions and do bad things in their blindness, but I'm thankful for it. Let me explain. If Ben Hadad's army had been able to see where they were being led, then they would have turned and run back home. They would have never gone there. It was through blindness that they got there. They would have never arrived before Jehoram, the king of Israel, if they had not been blind. Isaiah 42 verse 16 says, I will bring the blind by a way they did not know. I will lead them in paths they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked places straight. These things I will do for them and not forsake them. While this passage here is specifically speaking about the people of Israel, who today, most of Israel is blinded to the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. In fact, they're very hostile against Jesus because they're even making things difficult for those who live there in Israel that proclaim Jesus as the Messiah. They're making it very hard for people to live there and make that proclamation that Jesus is Lord. This blindness is very frustrating. But I want us to consider Ben-Hadad's army, how hostile they were, but yet they were saved through their blindness. It was because of their blindness that they were led there that they were spared. Their rejection of Jehoram, the king of Israel, was so severe that blindness was the only way that they could have been led by Elisha to arrive before the king of Israel. It's kind of like that student that I led blindfolded up to that classroom that classroom window. Every time I think about it, I can just see the look on his face when I said, hey, take the blindfold off. And he took the blindfold off and he realized, oh my gosh, I'm staring at a bunch of my friends on the other side of that glass. I'll never forget it. But if I hadn't led him there blind, he would have never walked up to that. He would have never done that. He had to walk up there blind to do it. Friends, without being blinded, Ben Hadad's army would have never come to the king of Israel on their own except to fight. They had to be brought there through blindness. Romans 11.25 says, Blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, and so all Israel will be saved. Amen. That's great. 
Right now, during this time of the Gentiles, it's called, it's a time when Gentiles, non-Jews, it's a time when Gentiles are to provoke the Jews to jealousy. How do we do that? We get to say, hey, I have your Messiah, Jesus, as my Savior. They don't believe Jesus is the Messiah, most of them. Most of them. There's a lot of, there's a lot of Jews that do, okay? Now, I've shared the gospel with Jews who got mad at me for saying that I have their Messiah. There's this woman I remember in a, on an airline flight. She was next to me, and I thought, well, I'm going to share the gospel with her. And it turns out she was Jewish, and I didn't know it. She got so mad at me. She said things like, well, the Bible is our book. That's not yours. You're not entitled to have that book. Who are you to think that you can claim a Messiah, that you have a Messiah, and I, a Jew, do not? And she got real mad. And, of course, we're on an airline. You want to, be, <laughs> you want to have a decent flight. So I got quiet. But I provoked her to jealousy. Because I said, I have your Messiah. And she took, no, you don't. That's not even your book. You can't claim that. So me claiming to be saved by Messiah Jesus, it provokes them to jealousy. This is the time of the Gentiles right now. But there's a time when Israel will be saved, when they finally get positioned before the king of Israel. And when God removes that blindness from their eyes, then they will get to experience we are standing before the king of Israel, and then they will get to experience the Lord's mercy. Just like Ben-Hadad's army, they were spared. He wanted to kill them. He says, you can't, because they were led here blind. You can't kill them for this. But then he made a feast for them, and they got to experience mercy. Israel, when their blindness is removed, and they can see, we're in a new place now. We've never been here before. That's the king of Israel. They're going to get to experience his mercy at that time when they're saved. Zechariah 12 verse 10 says, And I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. Friends, when they realize who the king of Israel is, Jesus Christ, they're going to realize he was crucified, and they had rejected him all this time. Once they realized that was the Messiah, that was him, it's going to grieve them that this happened all this time, that they didn't know, that they didn't see, or they rejected, they didn't accept him, they were hostile. When it finally hits them, they're going to grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn, the loss of a child. It's going to be like that. Friends, today I know Israel is blinded to the Messiah, but right now God is leading his people Israel to Jesus, the King of Israel. Okay? But don't hold their blindness against them. Don't get mad at them for it. I know it's frustrating when you see lost people do things like that, but don't, don't hold it against them. Because that's the first thing we want to do. We want to, we want to get mad at them for, why can't you see Jesus is the Messiah? Why are you being difficult on people that claim him as Messiah? Why are you rejecting Jesus so fiercely? Yeah, it's frustrating, I know. But this is not just of the Jews here. Even Gentiles can be spiritually blind as well. Friends, I have a new perspective now about blindness that I want to offer to you. And because of this story today, I'm actually thankful for the spiritual blindness that I myself went through. And I'm not even Jewish. I'm a Gentile. But even the spiritual blindness that I had when I rejected Jesus Christ, when I didn't want to follow him, 
And I was doing my own thing my way. And as, as angry as it made me, because like Ben Haydad, I couldn't have what I wanted. God stood in the way of that. Remember, as long as Elisha was standing around, Ben Haydad couldn't have what he wanted. As long as Jesus was trying to draw me, I couldn't have what I wanted. But I'm thankful for that blindness now. Because if I had been able to see that at that time, if I had been able to see that I was being led by Jesus towards him, then I would have fought and kicked at him the whole way. I would have fought to the bitter end because I did not want to stand before him. I wanted to do my own thing. I didn't want him as king over my life. I wanted to be the king like Ben Hadad. I wanted to raid and steal and take what I wanted for me. I didn't want what Jesus wanted for me. And so I'm thankful for that blindness that I went through. And so I think we need to take a new view on the benefits of spiritual blindness. I have this dog. Whenever I take him to the park, he gets so excited because he knows the park is his fun place where he gets to run. (laughs) But he hates going to the vet. So when I take him to the vet, I have to hide him in a hidden crate under blankets where he's blind, where he can't see. Or else, if he knows we're going to the vet, he's going to freak out the whole way there. Now, I know how disappointing it is to watch lost people make bad decisions. You've got a lost friend that you're praying for. They're in pain. They're hurting. It's because they reject the Lord, and they're blind, I know, and you're you're grieving for them. Friends, it was also crazy for Ben Hadad to send an entire army to try to take down Elisha, right? That was bad decision on his part. But as frustrating as it is, we need to pray for our lost friends, no doubt. But also know this, that their blinded eyes are being used to keep them from seeing where they're being led to. Exodus 4.11, but the Lord said to him, who has made the human mouth or who makes anyone unable to speak or deaf or able to see or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Friends, the Lord God causes blindness on those he wants to be blind, and he makes see who he wants to see at the time he wants to do it. And so I think even us saved people, we have a certain level of blindness ourselves. When we look at the lost operating in terrible ways, it grieves us, no doubt. But I want to give you a new way to see them. I want to give you more vision than what you used to have. I want to pray over you, and I want to pray the same exact words that Elisha prayed over his servant. And remember, his servant was in ministry work. You as a saved person, I'm sure you understand how the Lord works too, but even you may have a a level of spiritual blindness because you're frustrated, you're upset at somebody who's blind right now. I want to pray the same words over you that Elisha prayed over his servant. And it's this, quote, Lord, I pray, open their eyes that they may see. So friend, I want you to remember when the servant opened his eyes, he saw all the heavenly armies of God around him, all the chariots of fire and the horses, right? They had always been there, but they had been invisible to him. Friends, when we look at all the threatening situations out there in the world, when you turn on the TV and you look at government oppression or economic collapse or those agenda-based movements out there trying to force their agendas and their lifestyles and putting pressure on people. It's all scary, I know. And they're threatening to take things away from us. I know. It's scary. But I want to give you a new way to look at the bigger picture. There's a picture above even them. We need to see the bigger picture that the Lord will open our eyes 
to where we will see by faith all of the angelic forces of God's army that are all around us. You can't see them, but they're there. Just because you can't see them don't mean they're not there. They are there. You know, every week when I study for sermons, I get kicked around by spiritual warfare like you don't even know. (laughs) I've had guests speak at my church, uh, some friends in my church. I said, hey, could you speak for me so I can go take a vacation or something? They will speak. They're not used to giving sermons. When I get back, they say, oh, you wouldn't believe the warfare I went through just to do that one sermon. And I'm like, yeah, I I would know. I'd believe it. I go through it every week. (laughs) So I get kicked around pretty good. Because Satan wants me to give up and not share the word of God. He's trying to take me out. So I've got this picture that I like to look at. It's a picture of a guy sitting in a, in a room studying the Bible. And all the way around him, he's got angels with swords drawn protecting him. They're in a circle standing around him. They're kind of semi-transparent, indicating that they're unseen, but they're there. And this guy's studying the word of God, and he's got these angels with swords drawn all the way around him, defending his time in that word of God. I love that picture. I need to get a high-definition version of it, and I need to have it photo printed and framed and hanged on my wall so I can can remember, so I can be reminded that they are always there. Psalm 91.11 says, For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. So, friends, they're there. Just because you can't see them doesn't mean they're not. (laughs) They are there, and you need to remember that they're there. And don't be so afraid of everything all going on out there. You know, it's not just the lost that need new eyes. We believers need to be reminded to look by faith, because the world out there will scare you. But remember, God's army is there, too. So when you watch the spiritually lost make those crazy decisions that make no sense, they're blind. Just remember, it also, that blindness, it it comes from their inability to see the Lord's guidance as well, who by his power, he's got the power to lead them unknowingly. They don't know it, but he can lead them to position them to stand right in front of the king of Israel, King Jesus. And just like Ben-Hadad's army experienced this, God can open the eyes of an unbeliever to where they will suddenly find themselves standing in a new place where the king of Israel is the one that's in command, but they are not. I know you're just waiting, oh, Lord God, when are they going to open their eyes and see when it's time? See, if they open their eyes now, they're going to reject the Lord God. But see, they need to get repositioned first into a new place where they suddenly discover that they're not the one in control anymore. If they open their eyes where they're at now, they may not be in that position yet. Let God get them where he's trying to get them to so that when they open their eyes, they'll say, you know what? I can't win here. I better give my life to the Lord. And friends, that point right there is when they get to experience the mercy of the king. Ephesians 2 verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So friends, remember how the king wanted to kill Ben-Hadad's army, but Elisha stepped in between the king and the people to say, you can't kill them because they did not come here for battle. I led them here. Friends, this is a picture of how God's law demanded death for our sins. When, if we were to stand before the Lord God, sinful, 
guilty by his law, he would have wanted to kill us for it because his law said so. But Jesus stepped in between us and God's law, and Jesus said to the law, you can't kill them because I led them here. Galatians 5 verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Friends, what encouragement this is. You know, whenever you look at the news and you see all that scary stuff going on out there, the big threat that says, I'm here to take you down. Always remember what it must have been like for Elisha's servant when he saw the threat of Ben-Hadad's army positioned to attack. Imagine if you had been standing there afraid of this big army, but then suddenly you saw these horses and chariots of fire. Wouldn't your fear have immediately shifted away from that threat, but then on to the awesome power of God? Friends, I think we are often just like this servant. We get too afraid of the threat when we should be fearing the Lord. Matthew 10, verse 28. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. You know, Elisha, he did not fear the threat of Ben-Hadad's army one bit. So he stepped in, and this one single man, Elisha, he relocated that threat to another place, to a place where they could experience the mercy of the king. And he did all this without a fight. Friends, Jesus was not afraid of our sin. He wasn't afraid of dying for it either. And so he stepped in, and this one single man relocated the threat of our sin to another place, to himself on the cross, to a place where we could experience the mercy of the king. And Jesus did all of this without a fight. So remember how the king gave a feast for Ben-Hadad's army? There was probably brisket there. I'm saying that because I've been learning to smoke brisket lately. But this feast would have helped them realize the king's mercy. Likewise, we all have a great feast ahead of us. Yes, even us who was once hostile against the Lord God. There's a great feast ahead of us at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And when we're together with Jesus, we're going to experience the mercy of the Lord forever. Now, I don't know if there's going to be brisket there or not, but I'm sure it's going to be good, whatever it is. Now, if the Lord would make so much effort to show his mercy to a bunch of hateful, rebellious people like Ben-Hadad's army, then how much more do you think he would have mercy on you and me if we would just ask him for forgiveness? The Lord shows mercy to those who love him and keep his commandments. You want to be saved today? It stands available to you now. Salvation is in Jesus. Here's how you get it. You confess to him and you ask him to be your Lord. Follow me in prayer. It goes like this. Father, forgive me. I've sinned against you. I've been blind as a bat, and I'm sorry for the crazy decisions I've been making. I now recognize you're the one in command, not me. I can't win here, and I'm tired of trying. I give you my life. Take over. You are now Lord. I will follow you. I will obey you. I give you my life. Thank you for dying in my place on the cross. You are now my King. You are my Savior, King Jesus. I ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.